Every week, I go to a club. I act like I'm too drunk to stand. And every week, a nice guy comes over to see if I'm okay. You okay? You are so pretty. I am a nice guy. Are you? Okay. How old am I? What are my hobbies? What's my name? Sorry, maybe that one's too hard. Cassandra? <laughs> We're in class together at Forest. You would have been a great doctor. What happened? I left under unusual circumstances. You remember what happened, right? Why I dropped out. I'm not the only one who didn't believe it. We get accusations like this all the time. Who needs brains? They never did a girl any good. I'm so sorry I didn't go with her. You gotta let it go. Hello, Sydney. Uh, hi. Who is this? It's your killer hosts. My name is Parker, your resident horror fanatic. And I'm Julianne, your A24 whore. And welcome to What's your favorite scary movie? What's your favorite scary movie is a horror film podcast where we're on a journey to find our favorite scary movie one at a time. Whether you hate them or love them, join us and discover yours. Spoilers ahead, so plan your movie screening every weekend before the episode release. Welcome to this promising young podcast. And today I'm joined by a very promising young partner, Julianne. Hello, Parker. Promising young Parker. (gasps) Oh my God. And you know what else has so much promise? Today's episode, it's going to be so much fun. It, I am so delighted that Promising Young Woman, you know, COVID, damn you. I've been excited to see this movie. I think I saw a trailer like a year ago and was excited yeah. about it. And it was just push, push, pushed. And yeah. she's here. She's here and she, man, she make a splash. <laughs> I know. Promising Young Woman is the talk of the town right now. Rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> Promising Young Woman is technically a product of the year 2020, but you know, I don't know. We can give she's, it to 2021. Let her have it. She's Promising Young VOD this weekend. Yes. Again, when you guys are here, this hopefully you have rented her. So yes, and as we say in our intro every time, spoilers ahead. So if you haven't watched it, I think it's worth the twenty dollars. Yes. So go spend it. And <laughs> promising young woman is, of course, the feature directorial debut of writer director Emerald Fennel. She is also the showrunner of season two of Killing Eve and a mainstay actress of Call the Midwife and season four of The Crown. She has also performed in flashy movies such as Albert Knobs from 2011, 
Anna Karenina from 2012, which I used to love that movie. And one time I had food poisoning when I saw it in theaters. And instead of watching it, we saw I saw it with my sister at a weird time of day. So I lifted up all the armrests on the seats and just laid across them and slept. And that movie's so long. Didn't you get food poisoning when you saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as well? Yeah, also a very Girl, long movie. What <laughs> Promising young puking partner, Parker, Parker. That was not promising, no. Uh, the, the difference is, Anna Karenina, I knew I had food poisoning, so it was a stupid decision. Once upon a time in Hollywood, I did not know I had food poisoning. Um, so that was just a sad, sad choice. Um, and she's also in The Danish Girl from 2005. And in, in this very film, Promising Young Woman, she plays the Blowjob Lips YouTuber. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Okay. There's a huge ensemble cast starring Miss Carrie Mulligan as Cassandra. She's a stranger to horror. Not saying anything has changed. More thoughts to come, as Parker says. <laughs> a very highbrow actress who has been nominated for an Academy Award for her performance in an Education from 2009, which I didn't know that. Mm. Um, you may also recognize her from Pride and Prejudice from 2005. Drive from 2011 and The Great Gatsby from 13. Drive slaps. You know, I've actually never seen Drive. I, I yeah, slaps. I know, I know. I know. I just got away from me. I don't know. We're also starring Mr. Bo Burnham as Ryan, probably best known for being a popular YouTuber turned comedian and the writer director of the awesome 2018 eighth grade, which I love. I also love. slaps. Also slaps. The ensemble also features, which I, I could not believe this was her when I found out, <laughs> Jennifer, Jennifer Coolidge and Clancy Brown as, as Cassie's parents, Allison Brie as Madison, Connie Britton as Dean Walker, Laverne Cox as Gail, Alfred Molina as lawyer Jordan Green, Molly Shannon and Mrs. Fisher, <laughs> and the slew of nasty men, including Adam Brody, Max Greenfield, Christopher Mintz Plus. Is that how you pronounce it properly? Christopher no Mitzvah. idea. It's always it's, a shot in the dark on this podcast. It's McLovin. It's McLovin. Whatever. You guys know McLovin. <laughs> Christopher Lowell and Sam Richardson. Yes. This movie jam-packed with mm-hmm. people. It is like an episode of SNL with all yeah. of these yeah, it comedians. Is. <laughs> yeah. The Rotten Tomatoes information for Promising Young Woman as of January 16th when this is being recorded. So it might have changed by the time you're seeing it. Actually, it probably hasn't because it's been in theaters. So it's probably going to stay the same. The audience score might change. The critic score, 92%. The audience score, 89%. And the critics' consensus says a boldly provocative, timely thriller, Promising Young Woman is an auspicious feature debut for writer-director Emerald Fennell and a career highlight for Carrie Mulligan. And if you have ignored all of our advice and you have not seen Promising Young Woman, here's what happens. So Cassie is a barista, a med school dropout, and at night likes to go to bars and clubs, fake being wasted to pick up predatory men and teach them a lesson. She does this because in medical school, her best friend Nina was raped by a group of men. Now she lives at home and works a perfectly fine job, in my opinion, that all of her upper-class friends give her a lot of shit about. 
she meets Ryan, a former classmate, and begins falling in love with him as she slowly starts retracing those who wronged Nina on a rampage for justice. She invites her old friend Madison, who refused to believe Nina's story in school, to lunch, drugs her, and has a man take her to a hotel room. Wild. She kidnaps the med school dean's daughter in order to get an apology from the dean. Incredible. She tracks down the rapist lawyer and brings him uh, and brings who I assume is a hitman, but backs off because the lawyer is clearly wrecked with regret. Eventually, Madison shows her video of the rape and gasp. Nice guy, air quotes, nice guy Ryan was involved the whole time. Cassie uses the video to black as blackmail to get the address of the bachelor party of the soon-to-be-betrothed rapist, Al. She arrives disguised as a stripper, drugs his groomsmen, and intends to carve Nina's name into his stomach, but unfortunately, he breaks free from his restraints and smothers Cassie under a pillow, then burns her body in a forest. The game seems to be over until at Al's wedding, Ryan receives posthumous texts from Cassie, and we see a montage of evidence that she had planted, leading the police to Al. The end. Ooh, man, I got chills. I got chills hearing that. Julianne, give me your favorite thing about Promising Young Woman. Ooh, I, I, you know, I love black, jet black comedy. I love... I think this movie has balls. I think the way that like, just even with the dialogue, how it's written, how, how Cassie, she, she reminds me not, not of myself, but she reminds me of people that I know and I've met. And I think, and she carries the weight of her trauma is just, it's overbearing and no one gets that. And I think, and like, even when, when she meets Ryan, like, he calls her a stupid bitch because he, he's, he's not, not because of not in a mean way, but because he's like, Hey bitch, like I'm telling you, I, I'm in love with you. And she, and she keeps like resisting him. And I just, I love this movie just feels so like it kind of like the, like it, it's exaggerated, but it's authentic. And I mm. think there are a lot of, they just, there's just, there's nothing like this. I can't think of any other movie that's quite like this. Can you? Uh, uh... I mean, <laughs> you know right I mean there's just nothing that exists that's that's exactly like this um I you know I I think I I would have I would say and I really I don't have a lot of negative things to say about this movie in general but I would I would have liked to have seen a little bit more bloodshed a little bit just for a little more satisfactory I think this movie this this is a dark ass movie but I think could have been a little bit darker sometimes too but I but at the same time I think the reason why it works so well is because it kind of the emotional beats are kind of so up and down that when that when the ending hits, it really hits, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a slap in the face. And I think that's that's the point. So I mean, I, you know, I, I guess I would have liked to have seen a little bit more violence, a little bit more because you're not really sure. And I, which is fine. It's it's a little ambiguous. You're not really sure if Cassie ever, if she does hurt these guys, she's just like the, the little red pen. And you're like, oh. Does that mean that she, does that mean bloodshed? Does that mean she killed someone? You don't, you don't really know. Um, and that's fine that it's fake, but I kind of would like to have seen a little bit more of that, you know? Um, yeah, I think in the scene where um, the guy, ugh, I can't remember which actor this is, but the guy is describing his novel to her. And yeah, I think that's McLovin, yeah. Yeah, um, that seems to me pretty, 
I would assume that's emblematic of every interaction that she has with them where she's there to shock and leave and not to do anything violent. Have you seen Dr. Sleep? Yes, I have. So there's the character in it. Um, Snake bite. (sighs) Andy. So she's young. She's like 15. She mm-hmm. has men meet her at the movie theater to potentially do nasty right. things. And I then she uses her mind powers to like shut them down and steal their money. Right. And she like carves a symbol into their neck or their cheek or something. And she's like, you're going to have to look at this every day. And you can't tell anybody what it is because yeah. you'll have to tell them who you are. Right. And like, that's such a good, like, come Mm, like you're right like this movie it needed just that little like it's billed as a thriller yeah and I don't really think it's particular like it's it has, it's fun but it's is it thrilling it, it has I think it has its moments I definitely think it has I think especially I mean that third act is just I mean I was just like I mean, what's it's, sho- it's, it's, it's shocking it's shocking yeah yeah but um yeah no I agree I mean it's I, and I think and again I think it does it, it's so well like it's bubblegum pop aesthetically I mean, it, it's like it's like being inside a pop. It's a, like a Britney Spears music video. It's, it's this movie is like gorgeous to look at. It's so beautiful, like the pastels, like the color. It's it's gorgeous, and the freaking. I mean, I'm not a fan of like Paris Britney Hilton. Spears and Paris Hilton necessarily, but like too good for Britney Spears, Julianne. I I, I just. She wasn't my girl. She wasn't my girl growing up. I'm sorry, but like you'd be so lucky. She's a star. <laughs> but, but like it just it works so and, and it the way that they make it so dark it works so well and i think the way that it blends tones i think it works i mean do you ever think that it doesn't work with the, the tone like like i mean i think it's pretty yeah i do think there are parts where it doesn't work <laughs> um no, like even when like it like I, I saw someone describe it as like romantic comedy i don't think it was a romantic comedy per se I mean, she's falling in love with him but that's not romantic comedy well it's interesting because it's kind of like there are multiple genres in multiple parts. Um, and I will say on the aesthetic, I believe it was in the press materials because <laughs> I got them. Um, there was like an essay from Emerald Fennel. Mm-hmm. And I believe that she said she was trying to like reclaim what I think she called like chick culture or something yeah, like that. I did so that, she was yeah. trying to make it very girly. Right. Um, which mission accomplished like you said the pastels even carrie mulligan's nails oh my god they they pop pop. i i I just i i love this and i and i think that's what i love about this movie too is it's so deceiving it's so like bubblegum and yay and colors and then it's like gut punch and i think that's the most effect that's why it lures you in that way yeah and like i want to go buy those nail colors and paint my fingernails that color Uh, but romantic comedy like the scene to the paris hilton song where they're in the store and there's like a montage of them being all ushy gushy mushy Mm -hmm. like that is like a distilled like five minute i don't know how long it is um like incredible romantic comedy like i felt all like ooh swoon like watching that why are you working here or i didn't mean (laughs) that was rude i didn't you didn't mean, what am I doing working in a shitty coffee shop? Yeah, no, I just meant, you know, given there's no getting out of this, is there? Nuh-uh. I'm gonna leave. Can I leave and then come back and I can do it, I can do it again and be better. You want milk? Pardon? In your coffee? No, but uh, you can spit in it if you want. I, I deserve that.
you. Do you want to go out with me? What? On a date. Seriously, I just spat in your coffee. But I mean, that's not the whole movie, but it's like interesting how there are moments of different things because the last yeah. 10 minutes or so, it is a thriller. Like when yeah. she's in the nurse costume, like that's a thrilling scene. And then there are comedy times there, which is more com- common to have like a little comedy, a little drama. But like, yeah. it's interesting, I think how things are speckled all over. Yeah. Um, but there are scenes that I don't think work there are certain scenes that i feel like are isolated in a little bubble and could be anywhere in the movie and so i'm kind of like why is it here like when she visits molly shannon Mm -hmm. that is such a bizarre just completely isolated unconnected scene yeah i I could see that yeah but i think it i think here's my theory on that though it's an important scene i'm not saying it's not sure but but totally it's a little weird yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i think um I think it was needed because I, I think, again, I go back to what I was saying before. I think she, like, there are points in this movie where Carrie Mulligan as, as Cassie, she, she's ready to break down and cry. And I think that that's such a testament to, like, no, like, no one's getting, like, she's, she is so, this is her life mission now. Like, this is her life mission. And she, and sadly, you know, she, she doesn't care if she lives or dies. And that, you know, ultimately is what leads to her death. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think, like, I, I, I don't know if, it would have worked as well if you didn't have that. I, I think, I think what I, I did see someone on YouTube, I um, forget the, who they're, I forget what the name is, but these two YouTubers, they were talking about how they would have liked to have seen a little bit more of like how her, like her and Nina's relationship and their friendship. And I think that was kind of answered, but well, I don't know. Do, do you think that's the issue you're do having? Do you want to know my biggest, my biggest like thing that doesn't work yeah. about this movie? Yeah. I watched this movie I think I've seen it three times at this point. Okay. And every time I, the first time it, it it ended and I was like, huh, I think I missed something. And then every time I watched it, I was looking for this. And then I've asked other people and been like, do you know what happened? And nobody can answer. So I'm starting to believe that maybe I'm not crazy. But when Cassie's talking to Molly Shannon, Nina's mom, Nina says, or uh, Nina's mom says, you need to like drop this. It's not good for you and it's not good for Nina. And then at the end, Al says Nina's dead. So like, what happened to Nina? Is she alive? Is she dead? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, so that's that. That is not answer. Yeah, you're you're correct. That is not answer. Um, she I think is, that's so is, bizarre. She she's she she's she is dead. Um, but. I think what they're alluding to is that she committed suicide. She, she died by her own hand. I think that's, and I, and but I like, think, where is that alluded to? I think, I think like just in general, I mean, again, this is, it's not answered. So none of us really know for sure, but I think it's just in general, like with the system, like, like at the end when she, when she meets up with Al and mm. he finds out that it's her and she, she starts saying like, you know, she lost herself because of you she don't she she used to be this bright light and this this amazing promising young woman and then when you did that to her she part of her died and i think that point it's i think you're it's, it's supposed to be like okay since the system failed her everything failed her and she kind of she part of herself died she couldn't handle it i think that's what is alluded to but but yeah i mean it, who knows he could have gotten rid of her for all we know yeah the, the, the <laughs> 
did the same damn thing that he did to Cassie. We don't know. I mean, that would be crazy. <laughs> I, I doubt it, but I mean, you never know. But um, well, and let me ask you this. And I, the, we're already off the charts. Yeah, what, sure. What's happening? But I'm curious to know your thoughts because this is something that I've don't have an answer to and I don't have an expectation to. So whatever you say, I'm sure it's going to be genius. I'm sure it's going to be promising. Um, I think that the movie does a very interesting job of like explaining like how the the um, sexual violence, but not even specifically sexual violence, but just like a, a crime like this that seems isolated to one person, the way it can have ripple effects to such a larger world sure. of their life. Um, and I think that's interesting uh, by having Cassie be the main character. But why do you think Cassie's the main character and not Nina? I, I think there's a sense of a female friendship loyalty, a theme in this movie. I think I, I think they want this. I, I think Emerald Fennell, I think, wants us to really understand that there are women out there who are fiercely, fiercely loyal to their friends that they feel like, like in this movie, the Dean, Allison Breeze character, Madison, like those are women that failed other women. And mm -hmm. I think there has to be someone who has, has Nina's back and not saying that she's the only person in the world, but it's just like, she, she, it, she cannot forgive herself that she was not there with her that night. And therefore her, her life has crumbled because of what she views as like a mistake of hers because she wasn't there for her. She was there for her after it happened as you know, because they both dropped out of school and stuff, but like she can never forgive herself. And I think that is, I don't know. I, I think that's just, I, I think it was just kind of one of those things where like it, maybe this was written from the point of view of something personal that happened to Emerald. I'm not sure. I don't know if this is something where like maybe she had a friend who went through this experience. Maybe she has guilt. I, I'm not, I don't know, but I think, the, the kind of like the the vigilante thing that she like she's this is her only way of control because she has she has no other control over anything else yeah that, that does make sense and I appreciated what you said I, I think that Allison Bree's character is really interesting because yeah. of course as with any air quotes political movie which mm -hmm. this movie's in my opinion, is not political. This movie is a movie about right and wrong. And if you it's think it's political, it's, yeah, if I you mean, think it's political, then you might just be wrong. <laughs> um, so, but, you know, as with anything of this nature, there's a lot of like, this movie hates men. No, this movie doesn't hate men, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, that's so reductive for a movie like this because it has the complexities of having female characters who are in the right and female characters who are in the wrong yeah. and male characters. And yes, it appears that all the male characters suck, but that's not, it's interesting because there's so, there's a variety of male characters in this movie. It's and true. I think that there is something to be said about the, the privilege of the circle of men that she's specifically interacting with in this movie. Here's, here's the thing, coming from a woman's perspective. We are taught from a very young age that what we do, how we present ourselves, that's, that's how people are gonna treat us. Not, not because of, of how, they are, how they are as people and how men are, 
It's how we present ourselves. That's where we're always taught men, you know, boys can hurt with girls like that. You know, boys can do that. Boys can do that. Yes. But also like, shouldn't you be teaching the boys how to act? Like we're taught this stuff from day one. It doesn't matter. A guy, a guy can be an absolute piece of shit or a guy can be a, a quote unquote nice guy, which they are, as this movie says, they, they can be the absolute worst. And I, I've experienced that it doesn't matter. It got, they're going to treat you how the way they're going to treat you. And it doesn't matter what kind of outside, um, outside, uh, exterior they have. They've all, they all could screw you over and do horrible things to you. I mean, and as dark as that sounds like, and I love that. I love that this movie went there and was like, Oh yeah, he's like, you know, he's a little bit too good to be true. And we kind of got that sense of like right in the scene where they go back to, and then he's like, Oh, Hey, it's, it's my apartment building. And she's like, god damn it she's like i i really didn't want i really didn't think you were that kind of guy you know and and he is and and that's not not that it's a big deal sometimes guys just want to hook up it's whatever but like she's she's just so traumatized that she's like damn it i thought i found someone that i actually could date and he's all the same they're all the same you know, kind of thing when you have yeah. to actually you have to outwardly pat yourself on the back and say how great you are you're an asshole usually yeah. so i love that they went there i i've never seen a movie be that on point with that that aspect of life with guys yeah well and that scene that you just referenced where uh ryan is like look at that my apartment building the first time i saw the movie i was like i get that she has specific triggers but at the same time i was like give him a break but then Yeah. yeah i also thought but that is kind of insidious because you know what he could have done they could have been at dinner or whatever and he could have said Hey baby. Yeah, I want to come back. Want to come back to my place and yeah. she would have been like, "No, I don't." Right. Um, but instead, you know, some people, myself included, sometimes it's hard when you feel that like in the moment pressure to say no even if you don't want to do it. Yeah. And so like if you're walking someone they're like, "Oh, my god, my apartment. Let's go up and have a drink." You'd be like, oh, "I guess." And uh, you know, yeah good for her for not doing that when she didn't want to, but like, that is kind of a douchey thing to do. Sure. Yeah. Right from, I mean, here, you know, unfortunately, like I had read some reviews about this movie before I had seen it. So I kind of got the sense. I knew that <gasps> it was up with Ryan. No, they spoiled that. That was not I'm that, shocked. Not that, um, they didn't spoil like what he was doing, but I knew something, something was They're like, Oh yeah. His performance is so good. He, you know, he's so different. And I'm like, okay he's up to something and then so I wasn't like shocked but but at that point I was like oh okay like he's you know again it's I mean guys are gonna try to get you upstairs I mean it happens but like you said what's the serious about it is when it's like no you could have asked her before that and been like hey do you want to come back with me and then then if she would have said no like she like he led her back there like a like predatory I mean that was kind of predatory um yeah now speak King of Bo Burnham and Carrie Mulligan, what did you think of the performances in this movie? Because people are loving Carrie Mulligan. The casting, I think, is genius. I think, especially, I mean, she's if she doesn't get nominated for an Oscar this year, this this is the we don't have a lot going on this year, this past year. Put her, and usually a movie like this would not maybe would not as get as much attention for Oscars because it's kind of like oh it's a thriller it's a dark comedy like me you know we don't touch them this year like give her that chance she deserves it um, she's so like 
she says so much with, with, without saying anything. I think that's what that's what's so brilliant about her performance. For him, I think the casting is so genius because he is he is outwardly a nice guy. Like any, oh, anyone, and so cute. Anyone anyone who's ever watched a video with him or any he's I mean you could tell he's a lovely person. You you could just you can tell that. But with this movie saying hey, you think that? Yeah, looks so deceiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in that rom com sequence we discussed, I was in love with him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I'm in no way a Carrie Mulligan completist. I have not seen all of her work. Um, But in my brain, just Carrie Mulligan, I think like, oh, like melancholy, sad girl. And that's all I feel like I've seen. And so when I watched this, I was like, okay, like I've seen all of the emotions. Yeah. Uh, I thought she was great. she just like, she's vibing with everyone. Everyone in this movie vibing. I thought that everybody was just like really mixing and just like absolutely nailing whatever their chemistry was supposed to be. Her and Bo Burnham, like the way that she has become such a protected person, she's like breaking down the walls for him. Heartbreaking when the twist hits because it was like, no, like this was the guy that was going, which... (laughs) A weird thing to say but like <laughs> you know this is the guy that was going to break through and like right, right. air quotes change her yeah. um and it was as you know it's just devastating and i think that a big part of that um is carrie mulligan and i've seen also a lot of calls speaking of oscars that are like emerald fennel for best director and best screenwriter and i i, I don't dig that um really okay yeah i think that as i alluded to in um the molly shannon scene some of the i think that like on a line to line basis dialogue is genius i think that there's a lot of like crafty um it's pretty web smart i mean yeah. this movie, there's a lot of like zingers in there that i'm like oh yeah yeah I mean, bazinga <laughs> yeah um but but overall like the structure and the pace of the movie just it doesn't totally vibe for me um like I think that like there are parts where it's like you were just absolutely swept into it and there are parts of it where I'm just kind of like what's happening what's the purpose of me watching this um I think that the end is jarring because then it is a thriller all of a sudden whereas when I watched her with every other guy it was like okay like I guess they can talk and that's fine like I think that like it just doesn't exactly know what it is and it's trying to do five things and if it had just done like two it would have been perfect and I don't know I think that it just had too much on its plate and then my thought for director is clearly there is a vision and it is working, but at the same time, to a certain extent, like to me, pretty isn't always an aesthetic. Like pretty isn't always a theme. So there's like a moment, I even texted you this, where uh, this screenshot after I'd seen it, where she's doing the dishes at the coffee shop and her head is like framed in this Madonna halo. And it's just like, why? It's just there to be pretty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not um, symbolically. I don't think it really means anything because I don't think. But I, well, I mean, then again, maybe it's because maybe it's because she's kind of a martyr. Maybe. Well, I mean, stretch, but you know, I mean, could well, be. here's my other thought that I think is strange about this movie. There's a scene mm-hmm. in this movie where Carrie Mulligan is like Cassie is like 
like asleep at the wheel or something and a guy comes and like lays on the horn and she gets out and gorgeous scene she's smashing the windows of his car yeah. I bust your windows out your car and beautiful music is playing not not what you just heard but beautiful music and afterwards he's like you're crazy and like speeds off and she like she holds her forehead all of a sudden is like fuck and then like gets back in the car and very strange moment to to me where it's like is she having some sort of like episode where like because she like specifically like grabs her forehead and has like a like where am i moment and i wonder she's so overwhelmed the mental stability of carrie mulligan in this movie in a way that i don't think is a good look for her uh so i i told you before this recording that i might bring up one of my a more maligned movie on this podcast, Ma. And I do think that this movie works much better than Ma does. And spoilers for Ma. So if you don't want to hear it, then just like jump ahead two minutes or something. But Ma, to me, is a movie about a woman who's experienced sexual violence and that is her life now and she lives to enact it on others. And then she dies at the end kind of in the throes of insanity snuggled up in bed next to the guy that originally like bullied her in high school and in promising young woman what's bizarre is that cassie is not the victim of the assault here of the sexual violence but her life has become a one-track life where all she's living for is retribution for what was done to nina and in the end, she dies trying to fight for it. And, like, it seems she gets it at the end, but, like, does she? And, like, if she had been alive and gotten it, would it have satisfied her? Like, I don't know. I kind of feel like, what do you think about this kind of just, like, woman who's driven mad by what's been done to her and that's all she lives for? Because, I mean, they say a lot of it in the movie. Like, her parents say, we loved Nina, but we missed you. I think that's the It seems point. unhealthy. It, I think that's the point. I think that's, I think that this movie is trying to tell us just how much this can destroy a person. And I think even though it didn't happen to her directly, she, she loved her friends so much. That, and I think that she, she's so guilt-ridden that she just, she's become so, dis- she's, she's so, she's, she despises men and anyone who, and I, I don't, I don't mean all men, but I mean, you know, like predatory men and people who did not, people who are letting this stuff happen. And I think that she just, she she her she carries like you can, and that's why I love about her performance. She's carrying so much weight on her shoulders, and like she'll break carrying, carry, <laughs> carrying. Shut up! Stop it! <laughs> She's carried away. Um, I think like I I'm trying to think of, but then like, is, like what is what does that mean? That just confuses me because it's like then who's this movie for? I think we had this conversation, not me and you, and trigger warning, but in our episode on Black Christmas 2019, which I really don't want to bring that movie up right now, but it's just kind of like, who is this movie for? If it's, if it's kind of painting a a sad picture for the survivors of this, and it's also painting an aggressive picture towards the people who might be enacting this. But yet I have seen sexual abuse of survivors who've actually really related to this. I I, I think- I would. I, was, I remember like when I was watching, I was like, I would love more men to, to see this movie. And I think, and I think the trailer. It seems like I. I know for myself when I saw the trailer, I was like, 
Uh, it seems so like it seems so overbearing with the me the me too stuff i thought to myself i was like oh this is this is a little bit too like like black christmas was like too on the nose and like almost like where you're like oh they're just kind of bragging they're kind of like banking off of what's happening in in, in the cultural uh, moment and it's not that at all um this movie was written well before that and i think I think this movie again lures you in with like it's like this is for women to see like hey you're you're not alone but also like a big slap in the face and wake up call with like she had to die and I know some people don't love the ending but she had to die in order to people be like yo we're not doing enough we're not doing enough we're I mean things have gotten better but we're we're still not doing nearly enough and I think I to me that that works for me because I, I, I couldn't stop thinking about this when I saw it. I was just like, wow, what, how many people do I know that I, have I not, possibly have not been there for, what not? I mean, I, I don't know if you want to get into this right now, but like, I think I was telling you, like, I, I've had like minor experiences with this kind of stuff. Nothing, you know, to the extent of what, what Nina has, goes through in the movie or what she did go through. Um, but like, you know, I've been followed home. I've been followed to work before. I think I told you the story or did I tell you the story? Some guy was, I was driving um, probably like 10 minutes away from my job at the time. This was like back in like 2009. And this guy comes up beside me and he starts trying to get my attention. He's honking the horn. He's going crazy. I'm in, a, in like my little Ford Escort. He's like a big pickup truck. So he can like see down at me or whatever. So I keep driving to my job and I work at the mall at the time. And Ooh. what he store? Me, uh, Victoria's Secret actually no he just, just walks it right into it right i know <laughs> and wait he did he followed me there he followed me about 10 minutes there and i pull into the parking lot and at the time since it was 2009 i didn't have an iphone so i couldn't look up mall security see like what number or anything there was no one else around and he blocks my he blocks me in <gasps> and i should have just called the cops right then and there but Instead, I got out, and this was, in retrospect, really stupid to do, but yeah. I got out of the car, and he sa- he stayed in this truck, but he, like I said, he was blocking me in a bit, and I started screaming at him. I was just like, you know, get the hell away from me, blah, 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 you know, like, and he did, he's like, I'm sorry, I just wanted a phone number, and he, like, sped off, but, like, <laughs> and it, it's happened to me at bars before, like, in the situation, like, I, in my 22nd birthday, like, I got, I was really drunk, and I lost track of my friends, and they were all look, freaking out looking for me. I was with some guy, some guy whisk, whisked me off, and I, yeah, I mean, thank God he brought me back to my friends, because he saw, he saw I wasn't feeling well, but, like, this is, this stuff happens all the damn time, mm-hmm. and, you know, great, you, fortunately, some people get, made, make it out okay, then other people do. I, I'm fortunate, you know, with that, but, like, they're, we're just we're not we're not doing enough to to like you said it's kind of, it's almost like this movie is kind of a for a female audience outwardly but if guys if men gave it a chance i think it would be really effective but it's not marketed probably towards them per se but yet it's almost like it's a movie that's not for them but it's for them yeah and i agree with you i, th- I wish it had been a little bit more like I mean, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I've seen guys who like it. I actually know yeah, someone who I've seen, I've seen, I mean, I know someone who is actually irritated by this because she, she, she believes that 
the reason why men like this movie, the men who have seen it, is because you don't see the consequences that the men get at the end. It's like they get arrested and then that's it. I don't think, I think that's a little bit unfair. I think it's, I mean, they, they get what's coming to them. They're, I mean, what more do you need? But she thinks that that's why men like it because it's like, oh, well, you know, nothing really happens to them at the end. They get arrested. Well, we have it. I, and I that's why that. I was excited for her to carve Nina's name into him. Cause that, sure. well, first of all, cause I was like, hell yeah, buckle up, BB. Yeah. But also because I was like, yeah, like it's about time we saw something real. Like, I feel like there's yeah. been, a lot of speculation and the only real things that she was doing speculation i meant um talking (laughs) uh and the only real thing that she does is to the women like she has allison brie she has a man take her to a hotel that is scary i mean i it seems karen knew that guy but like that is crazy i and uh i'm not kidnapping the dean's daughter like those what the real stuff she does which that scene is incredible uh, Connie Britton, honestly, if there's a standout more than Carrie Mulligan, I think it's Connie Britton. Yeah, she's pretty cold. Um, yeah, that I'm not gonna lie to you. I I was like, holy shit, did she actually? I really thought she did it. I really thought that she did both things. I was like, oh my god, she's gonna, she's actually. I, I was, and I thought to myself, my god, she's. This movie's gonna be the opposite of what they're. Yeah, they're just saying. as bad as the men. As bad as, as as any man, and then of course it's not that it's it's just manipulation. But like I was like, oh my god! I mean, I I was stunned at that scene, at the, the dean scene. I was like, oh my god, she actually because uh, I when, when she pulled her when she pulled up to the school, I was like, what the hell is she doing? Like yeah. I, you know, you don't know what she's up to. And that yeah, that was that's probably a standout scene for me is is with her and Connie Britton just and she's just like, well, you didn't do anything about it though, right? And you're like, oh shit. Yeah, yeah, I think that's 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 those are wild. Um, another thing that I struggled with in this movie mm-hmm. is so I just think this is not successful at all. The beginning, she's making the tally marks in the notebook, right. and that's supposed to be setting up the motif because then it starts, you know, right. on the screen. For some reason, that just totally did not connect to me. And the numbers just felt arbitrary to me. Like, because she's marking them. One of the tally marks she puts in the notebook happens completely in voiceover while you're just watching other things happen. Yeah. And so then when the tally marks are happening on screen, the first one happened, I was just like, whoa. <laughs> and then I was like, is there like an end goal? You sent me a video that was a summary of the movie. And it was like, it was like when she goes to take revenge on Al, that's only tally mark number four so we know that the cycle isn't complete and I was like but I didn't like I had in my brain like it just didn't tell me like there will be five and so I I don't know I thought that that was a strange just kind of like slapped on thing um and similarly some of the music was a little weird to me like I love like the song music but like there's a scene where Carrie Mulligan is sitting in her in front of her vanity and she's looking at a picture of her and Nina and it is like straight horror soundtrack happening. So there are a few like kind of aesthetic things that's like, why did you make that decision? Hmm. Okay. No, the the tally marks bothered. I, I did not like that. I did not vibe with the tally marks. Yeah, I, I didn't mind them. I, I felt like every, I didn't realize this at first, but I feel like every, like as the time works going on, like that's each step of her retribution. Like I, th- I thought it worked. Like I was kind of like, you see the tally marks for each victim. Okay, fine. And then it's like, that becomes like, okay, well, here's, here's, here's the ultimate tally mark is that she's 
this is her each step to either she's either going to kill al and and she's done with this forever now because she got the ultimate she paid you know she's going to pay he's going to pay the ultimate price or if she if she she knew she was going to die which she had a feeling it's like either way he was going to get arrested for her death so I, well, I think and I like that time. that the tally marks are for her and not for the men because I also or yeah. not for the the people because I also thought like yeah. four is for Al so is five for Ryan or is four, five for Al part two like I it doesn't totally work step. for people yeah I think it's just kind of each step I thought that's what I interpreted as but I don't know I hated I hated the tallies okay she didn't like the tallies didn't um, like it when like Allison Bree's character, I'm like, oh, okay, she's she's getting back at her because she doesn't she didn't believe her. Okay, okay, fine. But then when she comes back into the picture, I was like, oh, she has a more important value because I really didn't think she was that bad. Like I was kind of like, why is she, why, I don't really care about this character that much. It's it kind of a cool little scene when they go get lunch and they're kind of like she's she's kind of like teaching her a lesson. But I was kind of like, okay, whatever. Like, but then when she comes back around and she has the video, I'm like, oh, she's actually more significant than I expected. And I kind of was t- pleasantly surprised by that. No. No, what? the first, the lunch scene is significant. That's where the complexity of is of like, the violence is not only enacted or th- like the assault is not only enacted by the assaulter. Like it, it, it is done by all of the people who didn't believe her as well. The second part where she gives her the video, anyone could have done that. That was plot. No, I just, I'm just saying, I, I, and I, I don't mean that. I'm just saying, I think that she, I, I just wasn't expecting her to come back around. I was like, oh, like that's like, she's kind of more. Well, she like, did it because Carrie Mulligan ruined her life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, I just. Yeah, I don't know. It's fun. The more we talk, I'm like, it's harder. falling apart. The cracks oh. are cracking. I don't know. I, I'm way, I, 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 yeah, I think I'm feeling this to be way more than you are, apparently. I'm surprised. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. I, Okay. The soundtrack, I put it on my Spotify immediately. Okay. You know, we didn't also uh, brief um, the lawyer. That's interesting. I wasn't expecting well, that. Well, yeah, because she has the the capacity for for sympathy, at least. I mean, it looked like she'd hired a guy to go in and beat him up or something. Yeah, well, or kill him. I, I, so I, yeah, but I, I was like, oh, that's like, he's the only redeemable somewhat man in this movie. Well, because he's had a mental break, he said. Well, yeah. So yeah I think Cassie's but, like he's had his. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's he's done. But I was like, that was that was kind of a cool little yeah tie. Um, well, and I, that's I, another well, complexity where it's like, yeah, he was shitty. But to me, that adds even more nuance into the like people criticizing the all men are bad thing. Well, it's like, well, clearly some of them can change. Sure. You know? Sure. And I think that ties tie back into Ryan too. Like at one point, like when she confronts him about that at, at his, his office and he's like, what, you never did anything you weren't proud of before. And you think, you thought to yourself, you're like, you know, you're like, yeah, he's kind of right. And then he flips just like that. And he says, you know what? Now we're both gonna not gonna be, be doctors, you fucking failure. And I thought, that son of a bitch. I was like, that motherfucker. Like, I, he, he almost had me by saying like, what you never been you never were a part of something that you were that you're ashamed of like because like you know god knows we all have done things that we're we're ashamed of and you know but like <laughs> but to that yeah not not miss parker but <laughs> but like and i thought my, i was like oh he almost had me god damn it and then he turned around just like that he flips on her and i think 
we we yeah we we haven't really talked about Ryan enough. Let's talk about Ryan a little bit more. He's a he's a he's a hard character to toss around because he is so charmable, charm charmable. He is so charming and lovable. But yeah. then you're right. Like the second that his life is On in the, the balance, mm-hmm. no. Like yeah. and I mean, what's crazy is like sinister th- uh, message about you know humanity. It's like who are you looking out for if not? Yeah number one yeah and so but that's the thing is that is such an evolving thing is if everybody's just looking out for themselves then what they're doing to each other is putting that you know it's all about power the part like at the end the tail end when when his but when al's buddy comes up and he's like this isn't your fault don't worry and i thought to myself oh my god like this like it's so um like men are so coddle and and he's sitting there and he's crying and, and it's meant to play for kind of like a sneering laugh but like and he he holds him he's like it's not your fault buddy he's like i kind of feel like it is but like it's yeah. and you're like you're laughing at that but like it's so true like it's just i oh that was one of the more devastating things i've ever seen mm-hmm. there is no way I talked, I've talked to people who have been like, oh, I knew she was going to die. It's like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Like there, when that was happening in my brain, I thought the one thing that cannot happen in this movie is she'll die. Like that just can't happen. And it takes so long. If anything in this movie is horror, which is not, it's that moment where she is just taking years to die it is excruciating and it's so sad because she's we've never seen her that vulnerable that vulnerable before in the movie like she has her moments when she's privately kind of you could tell she's just really feeling it and she kind of was suppressing her tears like you you can see that but like that moment she's squealing and just like you know kind of like you know she's dying that broke my heart because we've we haven't seen her be she always has an exterior she's always so tough and strong outwardly and then when we when, when that happens i'm like oh my god like she can't even she can't even break through she's gotten she's got, had the one up on everyone on this whole movie essentially I, I mean of course she's even in death she still does we don't we don't know that at that point but like watching her die is just so like i'm like oh my god she like they got her too like it, it's just it's it, oh man i just <laughs> i my jaw was my jaw hit the floor yeah that was crazy and I also was surprised by the very ending. I was like, well, that's it. Movie's over. Yeah. And uh, then that kind of, and then even then I was like, she was, de- she was dead. And I was like, oh, she's about to come walking out of that door around a bush or something. And then they burn her. I was like, well, shit. Yeah. Uh, this is a horror podcast. And as we've said a few times, this isn't a horror movie in my IMO. <laughs> but this does kind of hail from and pay reference and reference to a classical horror genre, the revenge film. Do you, are you a fan of revenge films, Julianne? I, I, God, a fan. What does that mean? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's like, I, yeah, I appreciate these movies, but like sometimes they start to feel all the same. Yeah. Um, well, the only rape revenge film we've done on the podcast is we did Revenge from 2018 in season one. Have you seen Revenge? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that movie's spectacular. Great. And I think, I think that Revenge is a really great. Um, it was also written directed by a woman, mm-hmm. and I think that that does a really good job of 
script flipping where a lot of the rules and formulas of the traditional revenge movies are like observed, but then the gaze of it is flipped because I know people are apologists for movies like I Spit on Your Grave and Last House on the Left, but I just think those are excruciating to watch. They feel so predatory and masculine to me. And they're at like, people are like, no, but they're about the woman. It's like, no, they really, when you're actually, maybe in concept, when you're actually watching it, it does not feel like it's about the woman. And so I thought Revenge did a great job of that. I think that it's interesting that in 2020, um, Promising a Woman knows we don't need to see a rape happen. Like, I'm glad this movie knew. We do not need that right now. Uh, We're past the point where we know how vicious and traumatic rape is. So I was glad for that. I have a quote from Emerald Fennell here. She says, I really wanted to write a film about female revenge. Recently, there have been a lot of movies about women taking matters into their own hands, and they tend to be super violent or super sexy or very, very depressing. (laughs) What I wanted to do is try to write a film about how an ordinary woman might take revenge in the real world, and that's very rarely reaching for a gun. It's weirder and more twisted than that. I think that that is an interesting take from Fennel, where she's kind of saying the opposite of what... (laughs) I guess I've been saying where I wish it was a little more exciting and a little more, uh, I mean, if this, I've said it about a couple of movies on this podcast, but this movie I think just needed the gremlins treatment. Like I just needed a little over the top. I would have loved to have loved to have seen a dick cut off or something like that. I would have loved to have seen that. Give me, even if it's just like one thing, even if just like one time, like give me that. She, oh, she could have given just like one and just been like, here, I got my dick in your hand. Ha ha, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, that's not what she was going for. She said she's kind of going for something more, I mean, authentic. Real? Authentic? Ish. Who? Yeah. What movie? <laughs> you know what she means. Stop it. Um. Well, well, what's interesting is that, like I said, these films go go way back in horror canon. Yeah. But I, uh, like, both uh, Last House on the Left and I Spit on Your Grave, both of those movies work in what seems to be, have become an established formula for rape revenge movies, where it's like a woman venturing out of their familiar space or home and being violently raped and in some cases murdered. Uh, In both of these examples, the actual rape depictions take up a huge majority of the film's runtime, which is, I think, the most egregious thing about them. Like, I don't think you can argue for those movies being, being like progressive when like over half of both of those movies are actually like the rape happening. Sure. Um, in fact, I didn't, I couldn't even finish. I spit on your grave. There were four isolated rape scenes in that movie. It it's was very exploitative. Yeah. horrendous. I hated it. Um, I didn't even get to the murder. And like, that's the whole point that's of the, the movie. Point. Yeah. I just couldn't make it through the violence. Yeah. Um, and like any movie that has sexual violence, like I just honestly don't want to watch it. Like yeah. I, I have, I, I have a hard time with that. Yeah. Um, so then after that, the woman or a parent or a husband hunts them down and kills them, as I just said. So the discourse over these films have been going on for decades. As I said, people really want to, 
And like, I don't even know who these people are. I mean, I've seen them on Twitter, but like people really want to be like, no, you're, you're just brushing them off. You're not being intellectual about them. And I, I would say the common argument for rape revenge movies is that they're about justice and that depiction and endorsement are very different things, which I agree with. Mm-hmm. Showing something and saying it's good are completely separate issues. Right. But in this case, it's the way that they're depicted. It's the length with which they're depicted. It's like, it's like when we talk about slashers and it's like, Ooh, watching Jason slide that butcher knife into somebody's chest. (laughs) Sexy. Like that's to me, uh, the rapes in a rape revenge movie are handled to me with the same pleasure that killing in slashers is. Right. And I just don't think that that's excusable. Sure. Bringing it back, bring it home, Parker, to Promising Young Woman, it clearly takes a much more modern stance on the tropes of a revenge film and clearly has a much more female gaze on it. Even like in the very beginning, like I love that the movie opens with like the cameras panning the male bodies. Did you notice that? Like in the club? Yes, because I was like, first of all, that song is a jam. Boys. And yeah, it's like all of their crotches grinding. All their their weird like dad bods. I'm like, oh, that's that's genius. Like, oh my god, it was hot. Um, and I think that also, so I mentioned that they don't actually depict rape. I think that's a very modern take on what's classically done in a rape revenge movie. And as we discussed earlier, the rape doesn't even happen to Cassie. And I think that's clever. Like I said for the ripples of how that violence can affect people peripherally and not even peripherally, like straight down the center. I think that the scene with Connie Britton and the the Dean, not Connie Britton and the Dean, Connie Britton, the Dean. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have to imagine that that is a pretty direct response to Kavanaugh hearings. I oh. think that there is no denying it's funny that everybody says promising young woman is about cassie she was a promising young woman and now she's like people are like oh she's a shit job and she's her parents say like we've missed you which was really sad but what i think is interesting is i assumed that promising young woman was a reference to promising young man and like the whole idea of we can't ruin we can't ruin a man for what he did when he was a boy Right, right. And I remember that there was someone from my hometown, which sucks. <laughs> and they, uh, he had posted something during the Kavanaugh hearings that was like, I just fear for my sons growing up in this kind of world. And I was so pissed that I commented and said, if they don't rape anyone, they should be fine. Oh, and <laughs> this guy has a daughter. It's like, why are you talking? Why are you even worried about your sons? They're the freaking worst. They, yeah, instead, of, instead of saying, oh, you know, I, I, God, I hope my daughter never gets raped in her life. He's like, oh, I hope my sons only ever get accused of rape. I mean, that, that, oh my God, that, that, that should, that should be in the movie. It should be a sequel. I know. It's just insane <laughs> to me the way that you see, I, I mean, we get trapped in our bubble of, of progressive thought and it's just crazy to me to see the way that people like that guy can justify things like the Brett Kavanaugh hearings where it's just like it's not just that what he did was awful and that he shouldn't be holding a position of power when he has done something like that but it's just that there's no remorse there's no admission like 
any sort of like, I did that and I'm sorry would have lessened that blow a little bit, but it's just like, no, this grasping onto this, this power play of men here, women lesser Mm -hmm. is just crazy. And I do think that promising young woman is creating, like we've discussed this whole time, a complex and really, I mean, it's, it's a lovely, I think, I think it's the loveliest lovely what a weird word to use for this I think it's the most the most intricate and honest depiction of this issue that I've ever seen I think that um it doesn't take I mean it does take a stance (laughs) it doesn't it doesn't give you answers it doesn't give you here's what's right and here's what you should do but it lets you know like hey like like you've been saying Julian here's an issue and it's still happening and no end in sight we're not doing it enough yeah yeah so you know thank you I'm a poet there are is one murder in this movie and I'm not going to nominate Carrie Mulligan for most memorable. (laughs) So from promising young woman, Julianne, what would you say is the most memorable moment? Memorable moment. Oh God. Um, There's so many. I guess, I guess I'm going to have to go with the Dean, the scene with Connie Britton as the Dean. I, 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 and I, I'm sure I'll, after I hear this, I'll be like, oh, no, I should have said the other thing. But like, I, I think that was, I really, I, in that moment, I was like, oh my God, she's a sociopath. Like she's, she's actually sending a young girl. Well, she's a victim of the institution. God. I, and I, I, I was like, I was like, oh, this movie is going to be something totally different than what I expected. I, I, I honestly thought this, she was putting another victim in, 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 in. Oh. <laughs> You mean her daughter? I thought I you meant know. Connie Britton. Well, that, yeah, but I'm saying like that. The whole I, I, I was like, oh my god, Cassie actually handed her daughter. I, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know she was lying at that point and kind of just making it up just to scare her. But I really, I was like, my god, this movie's something totally different than I thought. So that was shocking to me. I think I can't really. Well, I completely agree. I think that that is the the kind of diamond of the movie and I I mean I think the movie knows it too it's in all of the marketing yeah and um you know it's like I said like she has been so like the guy on Facebook the dad on Facebook I was talking about she is Connie Britton has been not Connie Britton (laughs) Dean Walker has been so brainwashed by the by by the culture and it's like that Lady Gaga song is exact parallel till it happens to you you don't know how it feels. Yep. And unfortunately, it's crazy that, you know, Carrie Mulligan had to play that prank on her for her to even have a glimpse of what that feeling is. Yeah. I think that's a pretty incredible scene. Genius. Genius. Yeah. I'm going to open the scary scale and allow oh. you to do zero to five rather than one to five. No, you actually... Uh, you know, listen, as, as we've said on this podcast before, and I've joined you, scares and scariness doesn't have to be a visceral yeah. thing. This, this movie to me is scary because it's any woman, any, and not, not just women, but like, we've all been there. And this movie got this, I, I, by the end, I was like, wow, he, they keep getting away with it. And that, that metaphorically is scarier than most things that we that we watch yeah I, I'm gonna go with uh this movie's like a three and a half out of four for me in terms of yeah you see I, you well are- it's on a scale of five yeah 
Yeah. Three and a half out of five. You said out of four. I'm sorry, out, out of five. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. really changing the skin. Uh, I mean, we are terrifying. I think that it's it's a disturbing movie, but I I would give it a zero. I mean, I think that to me, horror is using fear as a device to store to tell a story. And yes, those last ten minutes like something scary happens, but I don't think that fear is the device being used here. I think it's more of a, of a, like a combination of justice and like despair uh, <laughs> that is happening here that it's examining. But I just don't think that this has even a thought in its brain about trying to be scary. For anything, I think for me, I, this is, um, I, I posted this when I, when I watched, I watched it. This is, this is a movie that's actually gonna make me th- double think about everyone that I meet in terms of men. Like I, this is a, this is a, this is a trust issues kind of movie. Like it really is. It really makes you kind of like, damn, like I thought he was a good one and maybe he's not. And I think, well, um, don't no, I think this is not what the movie, I don't think the movie wants you to not trust anyone ever again. <laughs> oh my God. Ruined. This movie ruined me. RIP me. Goodbye. Okay, I Emerald Fennel, I hope that you, you know, they say that you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, but Emerald, please try. Uh, Julianne, it's a real nail biter here, but would you give Promising Young Woman a smash or a slash? Smash. Yeah. Hard. Very smash. Yeah, I, I, I really, Consensually. I really Cons- Consensual smash. I dug this movie. Yeah. Yes, Promising Young Woman asked you if you wanted to go home before you showed up at the apartment. Yes, she did. And I'll give it a smash as well. I did enjoy it. I would like to buy it when it's available. Like, I do want to watch it again. Um, I just thought it was going to be a rager. I thought it was going to be like, wow, like, whoa, like, yeah, slice and dice. Yeah, like I I said, I think we all kind of wanted, wanted a little bit more of that, a little bit more, like I said, some penises falling off some blood spilled i would have enjoyed a little bit that's of that. what you want i mean i don't i don't need a penis <laughs> cut off but i do like i think that it was just missing people are like it's so controversial it's so like well, I biting think, I and think, i think i do think it's controversial i do think people are going to be talking about it but i just think it's missing an edge a little more of a bite yeah yeah i think that all of the bite is conversational and I would like to have seen a visual but you know it's a visual medium like if I wanted to watch real life um baby I'm living it so (laughs) I don't know I get it so Julianne what's your favorite scary movie I gotta go with Orphan again Orphan's my my girl yeah how about you um what am I on right now oh I'm in Possessor Ooh. yeah Possessor's great and I'm sorry, Promising Young Woman, but Possessor is the best movie of 2020. <laughs> Damn, cold. cold. Yeah. Hey, hey, hello, Promising Young Woman. Hi, this is Parker. You're not, you're not the best movie of 2020. Damn. Ooh, I, I, okay. Okay, man, he just. <laughs> <laughs> no, I liked this movie. I just, you know, I don't even, so people are really buzzing about Promising Young Woman, really hyping it, really saying it's it's the best of the best. And I, I think it deserves, it deserves buzz and hype. But when I sit myself down and I say like, Parker, 
what were you really expecting from Promising Young Woman? And is there a world where Promising Young Woman is cap- was capable of delivering that? Mm-hmm. The answer is yes. I wanted more from this movie and I do think Promising Young Woman was capable of giving it to me. There are some movies where I went in and when I asked myself the same questions, those movies were not capable of giving me what I wanted. I had impossible expectations. For this movie, I had I what I feel like were possible expectations and it just didn't do it, which is fine. You know, live your dreams. But just, yeah, I'm suddenly I'm feeling so sad. <laughs> All right. Well, next time things are going to get a little more happy because we are watching a requested movie, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, which on a scale of lightness, it is opposite end of the spectrum from Promising Young Woman. (laughs) So join us next time when we're discussing that. And while you're waiting, you can head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. So this review comes from Adamos et Awari. And this reviewer says, fun and spooky. And I'm sure they said it just like that. Five stars, this podcast does a great job diving deeper into my fave horror movies. Love the tone and content. Keep going. Well, your wish is my command. Not stopping anytime soon. So see you next week, listeners, and see you next week, Adamos at Awari. <laughs> um, Julianne, what a pleasure it's been. It's always so exciting getting to see you, getting to discuss things, yeah. you reigning in my patriarchy. Mwah. I'll see you in, in a few weeks. And if people want to find you on the internet, where do they, where, where? <laughs> where, 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 where? Some pics, Insta at the Jewel Marie, some troll and other trolls on Twitter at the Jewel Marie. Same I here. love a troll troll. <laughs> and you can find me Parker on Instagram, Twitter and Letterboxd at Parker Del Rey. And you can find what's your favorite scary movie on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Scary Movie Pod. And you can get even more scary movie shit at patreon.com slash scary movie pod. Of course, head to our website, scarymoviepod.com and send us an email at scarymoviepod at gmail.com. Just